When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Here with you on Monday night, November 15th, as we head into Tuesday, November 16th. Good to be with you, whether you're listening on the pod or the Amazing Brew YouTube live page. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Make sure to uh, comment in the comment section. Keep the chat going. As I am Luke Yardy, joined by Justin Moe of Blue Bay 90, now exclusively on Maze and Brew. What's going on, Justin? How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Happy to be here. We're uh, we're super excited to uh, officially join the Maze and Brew Network now here at Blue by 90. So you'll uh, you guys will see a lot more of us uh, going forward. All right, so for those uh, unfamiliar, tell us a little bit about Blue by 90. Yeah, so um, it's me, Jack, and Kaylin. We uh, do our own podcast, run a, a few fan pages on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and stuff like that. And so um, we've started a podcast uh, two years ago, just kept it rolling, and, and it's just uh, it's more analysis from the couch. So, um, you know, we, we have some pretty good takes, but uh, for the most part, it's you know, some solid takes with some comedic spin into it. We try to make uh, make the most of it here. You know, as Michigan fans, we have to be able to make fun of ourselves and live uh, live with what we've got. You know what I mean? So where can folks expect to, to get your podcast? Like, what what is your schedule going to be like moving forward? Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll put out probably two a week. Um, so we'll go out on Monday mornings and then uh looking towards the uh latter end of the week to like thursday or friday or something like that as well 
All right, man. Sounds good. Sounds good. We got Vaughn Lozon, our uh, leading man here at Mesa Brew, said he's, 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 he'd be with <laughs> us. But, uh, man, he's got a little Qdoba steak burrito going on, man. I respect that, Vaughn. Uh, cheers, brother, on that one. A uh, little victory burrito here on this go. Monday, man. Holy cow, what a game on Saturday. Uh, Michigan coming away with it. The 21-17 victory over Penn State kept everything alive, Justin. I mean, that's what that's what it came down to. And, like, you know, I've seen a lot of people have the take. That's a game that they lose in years past, and they're probably not wrong. I mean, everything was on the line in Penn State. Everything was going wrong, but... Again, they stared adversity in the face, and as they've done most times here this year, man, they they punched right back. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, honestly, this was uh, a game where Michigan – what Michigan's done all year is they've gotten a lead and they've sat on that lead. And we saw it, what happened in the Michigan State game where it ultimately ended up to bite them in the ass on the, on the end. Um, this one, I think a lot of us thought was going to end the same way. You felt like uh, Penn State had all the momentum going into that fourth quarter, um, and and especially after that fumble, you know, you didn't think that you kind of saw it all unraveling and it all happening again. A lot of us I had PTSD, I'm sure, um, but I thought it was really it was a gritty win from these guys to be able to come back. Cade McNamara to still um, get through it. Obviously, Hassan Haskins just putting the the team on the on his back. Um, but all in all, it was just a team win. And, and for them to be able to gut it out there in uh, Happy Valley, not a, not a lot of teams win in Happy Valley. So for them to go out there and get that W was a big win for sure. Yeah. And, you know, like we mentioned, that that's the thing about that game is that everything was on the line. You know, we, we mentioned it a lot going in that the only way to keep the championship aspirations going was to go in and, and win that game. And, you know, it was it wasn't a good start by any means. Like we we keep thinking back to the the sack fumble on Cade. You know, they they go up by three late in that game, but man, they got dominated in that first quarter. Like as dominated yeah. as you could get, and to be down only three nothing and to fight back from that, man, that was that was great to see. Like that that's something we really haven't seen in the past six years under this regime. Yeah, and look, I it wasn't a, a night game whiteout, but I've been to Happy Valley where Michigan's gotten off to bad starts. You know, you think about Saquon taking it to the house from the get go, and it's difficult to get your get things you know under control when that stuff happens. It's really easy to fall back on your heels. It's really easy to say, "Man, we don't just we just don't have it in us today." You start getting tight and making mistakes. This team stayed composed. Even though that the offense was not moving the ball as well as they wanted to, they kept grinding it out. I want to give props to Josh Gaddis for not panicking as well. He, you know, stuck to the play, uh, to the game plan and stuck to it. And they just started grinding it out. And, you know, as much as the offense did sputter, you do have to give the credit more so to the defense. Being mm-hmm. on the, the field, you know, almost the entire first quarter, uh, you know, almost the entire first half, I believe it was six minutes or, or sorry, it was Penn State ran in the something like 37 plays and Michigan only ran six in the first quarter. Uh, and that was, uh, I believe, in all of college fo- college football, that was the largest discrepancy uh, t- as far as this year goes. So um, for the defense to be able to keep them in this game while the offense got their rhythm, that was really the difference in the first half. 
Man, and a huge shout out. Like we know a lot about complimentary football and the defense, thankfully in that first quarter was able to kind of keep Penn State at bay. Obviously James Franklin with the fake field goal from the two yard (laughs) line. Like, thank you for that, Mr. Franklin, you know, but the the biggest moment in the game, you know, Michigan takes over with 13 minutes left in the second quarter, and they go, let's see here, 15 plays, 90 yards, and seven minutes and 30 seconds off the clock for a touchdown. I mean, like, great to go and get the lead, but also to give that defense at that point a seven-and-a-half-minute rest was probably the thing that pro- propelled them forward to be able to have the energy down the stretch of that game. Absolutely. And and I think there were a, a definite, there were a number of plays in that drive that it was like, if you, you know, don't get that, it's a, it could be a whole different ball game. There are multiple third downs that Hassan Haskins reaching out for, you know, he's pounding the rock. And so there, there was a lot of grit in that drive specifically where it was like, you know, they, they just didn't, it wasn't pretty. None of that was pretty, that whole drive, but they just kept chugging along. And I agree with you, man. It was, you know, uh, that was probably the exact thing they, they needed. Even if they go down and score and it's a long pass play, you know, that takes two minutes, the defense is probably still gassed. And so maybe oh, yeah. then Penn State can go out and score again. So it just worked out that way that it was perfect there. Um, but, yeah, I, I again – that was that was I think just props to Josh Gaddis for sticking with it there. It didn't feel like they had he didn't throw the playbook out, you know, in the first quarter and say, "Hey, we got to switch everything up. Let's start throwing the ball a ton." He stuck with it and and there were a lot of times where I was like, "Man, it felt like at the time, man, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that?" But then it would set up something later in the game where it was like, "Oh, that makes sense. That play in the in the end of the game you know, even the ga- the play to Eric Hall, which I'm sure we're t- we'll talk about too. Yep. That was set up by multiple plays earlier in the game too. Yeah, no question. And I also want to touch on, you mentioned Hassan Haskins on that drive, but that whole game, I, I saw a stat on Twitter here today from one of the Michigan beat writers, 12 first down runs in that game. 12. I mean, it's, that's that's so incredibly valuable. Like, I I don't even really know how to put it into words, and I know I'm supposed to know how to put it into words, but I <laughs> I can't I, I can't explain just exactly how valuable that man is w- when he's doing things like that. Yeah, and he's a guy that obviously you know he's got the athleticism, he's got the physical skill, but I think he's got that intangible where he knows where the the sticks are, he knows where that first down marker is. And that's where, you know, that's, that's where a guy gets, you know, to that next level and he becomes Mm -hmm. that dominant player. And so that's what I think Hassan Haskins has been able to do for Michigan this year is, you know, that where, when he gets into the game on a third down, he's going to get to the sticks, you know, up until this game against Penn state, I believe he only had one negative rushing play all year long. Obviously, he got the majority of the carries on Saturday, and there were times where he got stopped in the backfield. But, you know, he's just that guy. He has a knack for it. He's a gamer, man. And he can go in and make a difference. And he obviously made a big difference on Saturday. I want to highlight this. This is such a silly comment. Stephen Cherry says, Wolverines haven't beat a ranked opponent yet, fellas. Let's pump the brakes. Like, number one, what is your criteria? Because Penn State was ranked in the AP. 
right. here this week, not the college football playoff. Uh, if you want to do now looking at rank, like are, are we talking rank going into the game or rank now? Because that win in Camp Randall's looking pretty damn good with the way Wisconsin's been playing as of late. Like, I don't what is the what is the need to kind of discount wins, especially as we know how hard it is to to go into Happy Valley win, how hard it is to go into Camp Randall and win. Like, what is the need to do something like this, you know? Yeah, and I think, too, it's like, all right, they've beaten all the teams on their schedule except for one. So, you know, what do you want them to do? Re- reorganize the schedule where right. there's more ranked teams on the schedule? I, d- I don't know. You know, and then you can argue with the, the Michigan State game. You, there's an argument that they were probably the better team that day but just didn't come out with a W. So and it looks know, like I, the college football playoff ag- committee agrees with you as well. Exactly, exactly. And so – yeah, I, I mean, I get it. I get it because I think it's the, the thinking of that is the years that have led up to this, where Michigan hasn't, they've beat up on the, the lesser teams and haven't been able to beat up on uh, or, or beat at all the, the good teams on their schedule. I, I think this year is very different. Wisconsin's a very good team. Penn State is a, they're a good six and four team, man. They're, their losses outside of the Illinois loss are all really good losses. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that is just – that's a, a Michigan fan being negative because they want to be negative and just be angry all the time. I also want to highlight this one from uh, Lucas Reiser. Apologize if I got that uh, last name there wrong, Lucas. But said it's nice to break the tendency, but let's be real. They had plenty of opportunities to pull away late in the third and early fourth quarter, and the offense played with zero urgency. Um, yeah, I, I mean – I I would like to have not stressed out a, a lot at the end of that game. Like I agree with Lucas there. I I don't know if it was a sense of sense of urgency necessarily, or or more so a lack of execution, lack of kind of a killer instinct there. You know, but I you know I see that and and I think about you know uh, up tempo and things like that with a sense of urgency. But as far as you know the they had their opportunities up fourteen six, kind of resting on that defense that. I agree with you that that I would like to see Michigan be able to go down and score, extend that to a two-score game. I think that would be huge. And obviously, we saw it come back to bite them in the Michigan State game, almost came back to bite them against Penn State. So that is something that, that I think is worth pointing out, that I think that they eventually, to win a big game like Ohio State, that they'll need to do. But, you know, obviously can't can't be mad at the win, but I would like to see maybe in those situations go down and and really put the game away when you have a chance. Yeah, that'd be my honestly, that, that'd be my only criticism of Michigan in this game is when you get the chance to go up, step on their throat, right? Mm-hmm. Go down and take a deep shot. If you're up 14-6, take a deep shot and see if you can put one put one on them and make it 21-6. And then it's you know, a three, a two and essentially two and a half score game. Right. And so that's where I I think that's been Jim Harbaugh's Achilles heel all year. And we've seen it in just about every game, even, even against Indiana, they sat on a lead that wasn't a very big lead, but they knew they were the better team. So they were just going to ground and pound and get away with a W. But I'd love to see them. That's where I think Michigan needs to go. If they want to go from a good to a great team, that's what the great teams do. They get up by a score or two, and they say, all right, here's where we put, on, put it on them. I, to be honest, obviously, maybe people won't like to hear this. I see that I see Ohio State do that week in and week out. Yep. They, they'll hang around, hang around in the first half, and then as soon as they get their chance in the third quarter, 
all of a sudden you you blink an eye and they're up 21 points. And so that's what I would love to see Michigan take uh, that take take that next step and Josh Gaddis to take that next step where when you feel a team on your heels, put the pin in the coffin, right? And the the only thing I'm concerned about now is like you've only got two games left. If it's not in your identity yet, like it, that's not really something that you save. You like you right. either have you either have that in your identity or you don't. And that's why, like at the end of the day, if Michigan were to come out with a win in two weeks against Ohio State, it's going to be as stressful as it comes. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be like Michigan's going to put them away. We, we've seen it just doesn't happen against the good teams on the schedule, except save for. Maybe Wisconsin, we saw a little bit of it, but that even took that. That was like a 10 point game going into the fourth quarter, too. You know, when Michigan had a couple of chances to pull away in that one, and they finally did late, but it was still stressful for a good majority of that game, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I, I think that that is Jim Harbaugh. I, mm-hmm. I, I think he, he doesn't have, obviously, he's got a killer mentality and he's competitive and things like that. But I think his, uh, his, uh, you know, identity as a football coach is, not to put up a ton of points. He wants to run the clock. He wants to beat you by playing his game and doing it better than you think that he's going to. And so that's where I I think that Jim Harbaugh has done a decent job of coming into the 21st century and saying, you know, all right, we now run a spread offense. We do all these things. We have young coaches, that type of thing. This is the one thing that he needs to do if he wants to become a, a true, you know, really elite coach in in uh, in college football is to say, hey, when we, you know, they let's look at their schedule. I mean, they should beat a lot of these teams by three or four scores. You know, go back to the Rutgers game; the exact yeah. same thing happened, right? And so that game all of a sudden comes down to the last possession when you should be up three scores. There were times in the Michigan State game you mentioned it; they should have been up by three scores. You know, even more than the sixteen point lead. And so that's the one criticism I have of Jim Harbaugh right now in this year. Um, but, you know, all in all, I, I think that what they've done is they go into each game with a game plan. How are we going to win this game specifically, mm-hmm. you know, and get get out of here 60 minutes later with a W? They've done that, you know, eight out of nine weeks now, uh, and, and or sorry, nine out of 10 weeks. And, you know, that's what I think Jim Harbaugh wants to do. But you know, I, I think from a fan perspective of my stress level and just from, you know, from a perspective of of being a dominant football team, you do have to do some of those things to take that next step. Interesting uh, comment from Von Lozon here. He said they gave it a shot at the end of the first half, but couldn't pick up a single first down. Execution is key with that, especially hard when Corum was out and Anthony was limited. And yeah, execution, you know, they at times they do. But like third quarter, I think I think the other way here on that one, Von, because it's like, yeah, you you don't have Blake Corum and, you know, Andrell Anthony is a little bit limited. So I think. So for me personally, I'm like, I don't want Hassan Haskins, especially with Donovan Edwards still a little bit limited as well, to bear the brunt in those situations and just continue to to kind of tread the tires a little bit here. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that is even more of an excuse to take more chances because you don't want to wear that guy down for late in that game. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And let's look at what they did in that third quarter. Um, you know, they go out and have that nine play 75 yard uh, uh, touchdown 
drive, and then they go punt, punt, punt. You know, the first one was yeah. a three and out. The second one, you only got 27 yards, seven plays. Uh, and then the third one, um, which one of these was the uh, fourth and two? Um, I think it was – I can't remember when they went for it on fourth and two. But even if uh, – you know, I like the play call or I like them going for it on fourth down there. Yeah. But, hey, when you that line was, up uh, – that came, that came towards the end of the half. Uh, like like Vaughn was talking about okay, because they sorry. ended the half three plays, 15 yards. So it was the second to last possession that they had before halftime. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. But I, I think, you know, in general, what we're talking about here is these, you know, when you go punt three times in a row in the third quarter where you're, you are sitting on that lead, you know? And so there are times when, uh, you know, I, I think you want to get a little aggressive there, right? You know, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to punt anyway. So take a shot downfield, get it to Eric Hall, get it to these these playmakers and let it happen. You know, obviously you would love to to get it to your guy, Hassan Haskins, and let him run it. But I think that everybody knows that you're going to run it in that situation. If you ask my grandma what they're going to do in that second half with a 14 to 6 lead, she's going to say, well, they're going to hand it off to Hassan Haskins. That's where I'd love to see a little bit more creativity or just misdirection from Josh Gaddis to say, hey, I we're sitting on this lead. We've got a lead. Let's still not go away from our game plan. Let's act. Mm-hmm. You know, I tweeted it out, actually, when we were up 14 to 6. Uh, and I said this, actually, during the Michigan State game, too. You got to act like you're down seven. They When they get into a third quarter of the second half and they're up, they act like they're up by 21 points, even if it's a six-point lead. Yeah, you know, it's and sometimes, so like this is where I'm, I, I conflict with myself because I agree 100% with everything you say. And then I go back and I look at the play-by-play because I think it's a little different in my mind. But that first possession after the touchdown to begin the second half, it was three passes from Cade McNamara that led to a three yeah. and out. You know what I'm saying? So that's You're how right. I, I agree with you because I'm watching this and I'm, I'm watching them continuously like in the first half. Every single possession was a run to Hassan Haskins on first down. Every single one it felt like, you know. And then it's like, okay, they're they're catching on. Now they need to go to the air. And then sometimes they do and and, and things just, you know, I, I don't know. They, they get weird sometimes when they go away from it. So I, uh, it's so hard for me because again, I agree with that a hundred percent with what you just said, you know, it feels like they give it to Hassan and then sometimes they go away from that blueprint and it just, I don't know. It's just, sometimes it doesn't work, but I think that's more of a, I think you have to take a process over results. Look at that. Right. Right. Like, you you know, like, yeah, the, the, the three, the three passes on that possession didn't work, but then, then you start going away from that because the result isn't what you want compared to, you know, I, I think you view it more as a process than a result there. Yeah, I mean, that's a situation we just got caught up in it ourselves where it's like if it if those three passes work, then Josh Gaddis is a genius, right? And right. if it doesn't, now we're talking about him being, you know, not good enough. So it's definitely, you know, it, it, I, I think that's probably exactly what they wanted to do there, but it just didn't work out that way. And sometimes that's how the, you know, that's how the, the ball rolls. Um, but, you know, all in all, I think you also have to look at it from Josh Gaddis's perspective and the offensive perspective. 21 points is the second highest points that anybody's put up on Penn State's defense all year, right? Hey, man, that's, that's a hell of a defense, man. So so that's where, you know, you, you it looked like, and, and I, I thought it during the game, 
man, we can put up more points. Why aren't we doing that? But also then you look back at what's going on and it's like, well, they're pretty damn good. So maybe they're just making good plays on us. You know what I mean? So I think yeah, you have they to take did, that into perspective. A lot to take away, you know, until that last possession, they did a lot to take away the tight ends, particularly Eric All. They were running a lot of those tight end delays, but Penn State was very well prepped for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they knew a, a lot of what was going on and what they were going to try and do. Um, and so that's where I think it came into um, play that last uh, that last play to Eric All. They had it perfectly, perfectly drawn up. Everybody's going to the left. Eric All sneaks out to the right, gets picked. It just went perfectly. My my guess is Josh Gaddis is going nuts in the booth, you know, watching that happen. He's like, it worked, it worked. You know, uh, so I, I do got to give him props there, and it ended up doing well. You know, one thing, too, I wanted to ask you about was when Penn State is going, is driving in that, you know, they're, they're, com- they're making their comeback, it felt like, all right, everyone knows they're going to Jahan Dotson. They still do, and we still can't stop them. Did you feel the same way there? Absolutely, you know, and I actually thought it was going to be on the last drive as well. I was like, yes. oh, here comes another Jahan, Jahan Dotson drive, you know. But, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that's a hell of a player, you know. Like, like, what do you do sometimes, especially um, that la- that touchdown um, from Penn State, the the one to uh, Tyler Warren. Yeah. He, um, I, I mentioned this, DJ Turner – was in perfect position I, on that play. I I said it right when he did it. I was like, he couldn't have played much more better, much better defense there. No, that's and, and it's just and the same thing on the two point conversion to Dotson, right? The, like they went at Turner again, and he was in great position again. You know, at, at the end of the day, one guy made a play, one didn't. Like that's football sometimes, right? The other guy's got scholarships too. You yep. know, so I, moving forward, you know, it's a 50-50 play. If Turner knocks that away, this isn't even, you know, a game that we're talking about really right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, you know, it. Um, the, the thing that you have to talk about with the defense is they held them to field goals multiple times, right? Wow, and what is that feeling like? I know. Shoes on right? the other foot on that one. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, there were, there were definite times where, it felt like, oh man, they're going down here. I mean, obviously the fake field goal, like you said, thank God. Uh, thank God. Yes, I am drinking water right now. I don't have a truly, not yet. I, I was going to wait. <laughs> I didn't want to get too aggressive on my first one here, but um, the, uh, you know, it, it was nice to see that defense do that true, like bend, but don't break, yep. uh, you know, and, and not give up a touchdown there. And on the flip side, Michigan scored in the red zone touchdowns, baby. Well, actually, you know, what's funny is they actually only had the one red zone. It was the 21, right? 21 yard, 21 yard touchdown pass to Roman Wilson on the first one. Got rid of, Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Right. Like, and that's, that's the thing too. I mentioned on brewcast last week, we, we, I was talking about it with Scotty on how can Michigan get better in the red zone? They had uh, just the one red zone trip. But my thing was they don't, a lot of the times they're they're very conservative in their play calling down there, particularly on, on short yardage distance. They want to get that first down, but generally it comes at like the 10, 9, or 8-yard line. All of a sudden, you've got first and goal from near the 10, 
and that's that's a tough 10 yards to to get but in their only red zone possession they ran that little wheel route with Eric all he got yep. to the three or the two or the three they score on the next play because it's first and goal from the two or three rather than first and goal from the nine that's what they need to continue to do they were they were aggressive in their play calling on that possession man it was it was awesome to see I think they need to continue that and that's going to help the red zone wolves quite a bit or uh long touchdown passes to Roman Wilson you know I, I'm cool with that too or Eric Hall you know absolutely absolutely I mean I I actually would love to see more of what they did <laughs> yes I did I did uh see a couple tweets about that while it happened too like Penn State did the dumbest thing ever, stopping them on the 21. They should have let them get to the 20, <laughs> and this never would have happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do like kind of – this is stupid, but having the play calling get aggressive at like the 30 or the 25. 100%. You know, we're 100%. joking, but like you said, if you can get aggressive and get down to the goal line instead of getting to the 15 or 10, you know, that's a different different play call there. And then you – you know, there's a there's a definite different uh, different book of of plays that you have from the 25. You still have pretty much your whole playbook in play. Mm-hmm. If you get down to the 15 or 10, you really get scrunched there, and you you can't call a lot of different routes that you're trying to get to. Um, so it, it definitely does make a difference. I joked about this on our on our podcast a few weeks ago too. You know, does Moody being so good? affect the play calling i mean no question i was like i'm i'm half joking half not right where it's like having that in your back pocket is a little bit of a mental block almost saying like we we don't need to score here oh no it it very much is because so obviously this is this is the nfl but I, i think it pertains to it so i'm a cowboys fan and I'm watching that game yesterday, and so uh, their kicker Greg Zerline was out with COVID here this week, so they had to sign just a, a you know some Joe Schmo uh, to the uh, to the team for this week. But there was like they were down at like the the 27 yard line facing a fourth and two, where generally they would send out Zerline. They went for it, got it, ended up scoring a touchdown because they didn't rely they didn't rely yeah. on their kicker. They didn't have any faith in him. Whereas there's no chance that Jim Harbaugh doesn't have all the faith in the world in Jake Moody. Like, why wouldn't he? You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's in years past, even if it's Quinn Nordine with the kind of the, you know, the the up and down career he had, I think Michigan is a lot more aggressive this year with the play calling if that's the case. But Jake Moody has given him a reason to, hey, man, we got three in the bag. Let's go take that and rely on the defense, especially if we got a lead. Yeah, definitely. I, I I think it's definitely in their game plan to get points, you know, when they're in the red zone. Uh, they don't, I think Jim Harbaugh is scared to go into the red zone and not get, you know, any type of points where sometimes I think if you, you got short yardage, you got fourth and one and you say, I've got Hassan Haskins, let's go get this first down. I'd love to see him do that a few times, especially early in a game, you know, or something like that, where it's like the game's still at hand, you know, it's it's a tough thing because the a, a stop there if you get into the red zone and you go for it on fourth down look at what Michigan did that changes the momentum of that game when Michigan got that stop obviously I think we were laughing as fans I don't know the the players might have been laughing too like what are you doing I I do want to talk about that because I mean I w- the game plan there was to throw it from your holder to your kicker he's got to have a perfect throw your kicker then has to juke like three guys I mean what's what's the best outcome there 
I so first of all, and this wasn't even from like the the six or something, right? Like Michigan didn't stop you that entire drive, and you're going to take your offense off the field on fourth and goal from the two, right? Uh, how does that how does that make sense? And you already completed a fake punt, so like Michigan's on high alert for anything like that. I I I cannot figure out the thought process on there. And like you said, the play was just. I mean, that's a that's as horrible of a fake field goal play. It was a lateral throw to the kicker. How is that ever going to work? The uh, Jack Jack post or uh, he he pointed it out on our podcast the other day too, where he said the best part was James Franklin was mad that the uh, the holder didn't throw like a perfect pass to his guy and hit him in stride. It's like, dude, he's your holder. <laughs> what do you expect here? And also, like, is. I don't care if like Michigan brings everyone off the corners. Like I feel like the kicker's probably going to get chased down in that scenario anyway. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, come on, Vincent Gray is also like, all right, the kicker's not going to kick it because he's going this way. I'm going to follow him immediately. You're not faking anybody out there, right? You know, I, I could have seen it if it's like some tight end uh, slips out and he slips right. behind Vincent Gray. But come on now. You know, it, it was just a it was a comical play from James James Franklin. You're always good for one of those from him. Absolutely. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Uh, huge shout out to Nicholas Alande. I apologize if I got that wrong. He just subscribed. Go uh, make sure to subscribe to the Mason Brew YouTube live page. Hit that bell. Let us, uh, you know, we'll let you know when we're going. Uh, Blue by 90 is going to be having their video uh, podcast up here as well. So you're definitely going to want to subscribe and hit that bell icon for sure. Big thank you to you, Nicholas. Um, and also, so shifting gears, I know we've done a lot of talking about the offense, three touchdowns. We love that, but man, that defensive performance we got to touch on as well because Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, I mean, are just absolute menaces out there. I, I like there are there are holes in this Michigan defense, but a lot of things are covered up by those two guys, and I'm not even that worried about it because they're relatively unblockable to get because the holes come, you know, kind of when the quarterback has time. You know, it's not like it's not like the hole that they had in 2018 where they had safeties on the fastest guys on the field and you could hit crossing routes for huge chunk plays. You know, this is, these holes are covered up by these two guys because they're just that good. Yeah. I mean, those guys interrupted everything that Sean Clifford did uh, on Saturday. And I will say, I got to give Sean Clifford credit because I don't think I would have gotten up after about the third hit and he got (laughs) up after the 27th hit. You slowly know, but he like, got up slowly for sure he was he had to have been very sore on sunday morning um but 
uh, you know, there were times I, I thought that obviously they, they had an impact on every, yes, they do get held all they, the time. They, do. they it, get held so I, much, man. I, I, I honestly, there has to be some stat out there. Aiden Hutchinson has to be the most held guy in the league. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, and maybe that's just me being a homer, but man, it, it does, it does sound, it does seem like that. Right. Um, and but, it, it, it kind of pull, pours over to everyone else too. By the yeah. way, this was uh Lewis Blake. He said, I'm no official, but I swear they get held just about every play. But the most blatant one was on Taylor Upshaw that went uncalled, you know, Jim Harbaugh absolutely lost his mind at it. Rightfully so. But I feel like none of the, none of the Michigan defensive linemen get gets held in calls or holding yeah, calls. It, excuse me. Yeah, it, it's it's tough, and I there are some stats out there that people have put out that Michigan has had like the least holding calls uh, uh, called against them for a long time here now. So um, it, it's uh you know, but talking about these guys, Jabo and Hutchinson, you know, obviously they have an impact on the quarterback when they actually sack him and get to him. But I think the thing that that people don't realize is even when they don't get to him they're still getting pressure on him and hurrying him. There were a lot of times when Sean Clifford had guys open downfield, but he didn't have the time to throw the ball yep. Or, yep. or he didn't have time to get to let the route get to exactly where he needed to, to, to get the ball in there. And so, you know, especially after you get hit so many times, you, th- those guys are in your head. You're not feeling comfortable in that pocket. And so the reason why I touch on that, let's look ahead a little bit to uh, two weeks from now. CJ Stroud has not had pressure like that all year. And mm-hmm. the last time he did was early in the season and he struggled. So I think if these guys can get to the quarterback in the Ohio state game, like they did against Penn state, all of a sudden CJ Stroud, who doesn't have a ton of experience could start having some issues. So watch out for that in the next couple of weeks for sure. I think it's I, I think it's also pertinent this week, you know, because obviously we got a Michigan needs to get by Maryland for that game to really mean something. But yeah. um, like this is a prolific Maryland passing offense, but I feel like uh, Talia, I, I believe that's the pronunciation. Talk of Viola, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think it's I think it's Talia. I think but yes. I, I mean, you can get in his head too. And that's the thing. Like they'll be able to stretch you out if you have time, but I don't think he's going to have time, man. That Maryland, you know, uh, offensive line up front. I, I watched Michigan state kind of wreak havoc a few times on them. And, you know, they, they've struggled with that kind of all year has Maryland. So like, that's another thing too. If these guys get loose early, this should be just, I mean, we shouldn't even be worried about the game. And obviously we're, we're Michigan fans. We're going to worry about every game, but you know, like, <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's always it's, it's always a week before Ohio State too that that someone you know it's usually Indiana they got them a little earlier in November here this year but right. I'm still not you know I still gotta play that game a little bit here with the week before Ohio State but you know like you said these next two weeks if these guys can wreak some havoc and get pressure like hey that anything's possible you know yeah I mean this is um you, you never know this would in in past years I definitely say this is a trap game. I think uh, Maryland is just not there talent-wise. Um, they've got pieces. They, they just can't put it together. And so right. looking at, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the season, I Maryland was putting it together. They're 3-0. and They're rolling. I'm like, I'm looking at the schedule for the end of the year. I'm like, oh, crap. That's a trap game for sure. It's on the road. They're going to be, you know, uh, five in whatever, trying to get to a bowl game, blah, blah, blah. You know, 
But I, I think that all in all, Michigan's talent is going to take over in this game, especially on the defensive side. You know, you look at what Michigan's defense has done in the last month or so outside of the Michigan State game, and they have been really, really impressive and held every team in check. And so I, I think that's going to continue to happen here. Um, I also see Michigan just continuing to run the ball on the offensive side. Yeah. You know, I, I think they're going to do the same thing. Now, my question for you, too, I would love to see Michigan do some things to prep for the next game. If it's in hand, I would love to see them continue to throw the ball, get Cade feeling good about going in there next week and scoring yep. quickly. I'd love to see them score 40 points in this game and, and show everybody, show themselves really, hey, we can keep up if Ohio State wants to score a lot of points. I think the more that Ohio State has to prep for, the better. You know, obviously, like that's, yeah. you know, they can't come in with a single game plan to shut down your offense and you expect to go in there and win. You have to be versatile against them because that, that Ohio State defense is playing a whole hell of a lot better, too. I mean, if they'd have played this game in September, I know I, I would have, I'd have been feeling good about it, you right? know, but <laughs> man. They've they've done a they've done a good job as of late, man. So that I, I agree with you. I want to. I think there needs to be a fine line here too, right against Maryland, because because the goal, as always, but they haven't done it a lot of times against Indiana in years past. Is you want to go in, you want to get up early, and you want at least the guys who are a little more banged up than the others be able to to kind of sit out and get that rest and not need them for a full four quarters while also simultaneously doing what you just said and getting ready for that next week. So it'll be interesting to see if Michigan is in that position, kind of how they tow that line. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my guess is that Blake Corum is not going to make the trip. Um, you know, I, yeah. I don't think they should chance it there with him. If he has any shot at coming back versus Ohio State, they should just, you know, Haskins proved that he can do it himself. Uh, against a much better defense so why why chance it there um, but I, I agree with you I think that you know what I'd like to see them do is get out get in there be st stay creative with it right yeah. throw the football don't just don't sit on that run don't or don't sit on that lead and run the ball you know right. I want to see them push it try and score a bunch of points in this game don't be sorry if you beat them 44 to 7 you know what I mean Whereas, like, if you looked at the Indiana game, I felt like they were okay with getting out of there with a with a not-so-flashy win. I would right. love to see them be a little flashy here. You know, show – let's see what Cade McNamara can do, right? Let's see what Eric All can do. If he's getting back to, you know, closer to more healthy, let's see what Roman Wilson can do. If Andrew Anthony can come back and be 100%, I want to see what he can do after he showed us – a ton of potential in the Michigan State game. You know, I want to see them throw it up to him. So that's what I'd like to see what uh, Michigan do against Maryland here is let's open it up a little bit. Let's let's uh, give Ohio State's D coordinator a little scare here to say, oh, they can they can score. Yeah, this is a uh, interesting comment from Todd Fortune said Michigan has not played a game yet that has been good enough to beat OSU. I, I don't know what that means. Like, like, what does that mean? Are, are you saying like they're, they obviously, they haven't played OSU. Like you, you can't just be, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be like, Oh, they haven't played a game good enough. Like they, be, they went into camp Randall and won 38, 13. Like right. yeah, that's a pretty good win. I, I don't know. I don't exactly know what, what you mean by that. The offense was good. They, they were throwing the ball against Wisconsin. They were able to run. 
their offense was, was shut or defense was shutting them down. I like what, what exactly does that mean that they haven't played a, a game yet? That's been good enough to beat OSU. Like OSU like was in a struggle with Tulsa, you know, <laughs> like they, it, like Penn state was moving the ball on them up and down the field. They just got, you know, Ohio state forced a couple of turnovers. It's not, this has not been death March OSU. Like last week they put up a ton of points on Purdue, but Purdue can't stop anyone, you know, like right. Purdue still scored on them. So has Ohio State played a game good enough yet to beat Michigan? You know, like I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand how you make that comparison. I'd, I'd also argue that you know, I, I this is going to sound bad because Michigan didn't even beat Michigan State in that game, but they played a pretty damn good ball game outside of you know, outside a few, of a few the, big the runs from quarter. Kenneth Walker. Like, and I understand Travion Williams can, can break it big too, but I mean, if offensively, if Michigan plays like that, they'll absolutely have a shot to beat OSU. Yeah, I mean, I I saw you know outside of ten plays with Kenneth Walker, they played a damn good game on on defense and played the best game of their off on offense all year. You know, right. so I I would argue I understand a little bit what he's saying that like Michigan hasn't blown people out, so they you know haven't looked like unbelievable on on all the aspects. But I like I said, I think they what they do in and out in in every week they play the game to beat the team that's across from them. That's what they've done all year. They don't have to play Ohio State each week, so they don't have to score 50 points. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, I understand that, yeah, they almost lost to, to Nebraska. I see that there too, uh, you know, but – Michigan, Nebraska, Michigan State, and Ohio State all lost, almost all lost to Nebraska this year. Man. I, for Nebraska, Nebraska, dude, honestly. I mean, yeah, listen, they're the best, like, bad team of all time. They're, they somehow, <laughs> they somehow have lost, but they very well could be like eight and four or nine and three, honestly. Um, so, yeah, he's Todd saying we'll need to score in the 40s. You know, I, I think against Ohio State's defense, you know, like you said, they've been playing better. I, I don't know. I agree with you that they're going to need to score. Um, you know, will they need to score in the forties? I don't think this defense is as bad as, as Michigan's defense has been in the past, but, um, <laughs> but I, nobody. I, <laughs> Steven Cherry says Todd fortune, careful, bro. Luke doesn't like facts. Like have, have you guys presented a fact? Do we have, do we have differing definitions on what a fact is? <laughs> Oh, like man. I like that's I I just to be quite frank with you guys like that's opinions like that we <laughs> haven't that we haven't played a game that would beat Ohio State that's that's an opinion it's obviously not a fact you know like we, come on we have to have higher standards for what facts are guys yeah I, I I think you know I I get what they're saying a little bit where like I said Michigan hasn't played like unbelievable in a lot of games this year and in the one game you'd say that they played their best game they lost. You know, so yeah. I understand that, but still, I, I think, like I said, it, it's a head-to-head matchup. Michigan plays to win the game each week. I my bet is that their playbook on both offense and defense is going to look a lot different against Ohio State than it does against Indiana or Maryland or whatever else. You know, so that's where that's what I would come back with to say, you know, they don't need to score seventy points against Indiana to beat them. They know that. They can right. run the ball out and score 33, and they're still going to win by three scores. So it, it, that's where I, I think Jim Harbaugh, it's our criticism of him for sure. I'd love to see him open it up on those things, but he plays to win each game each week, and it's going to be a different playbook. And at the end of the day, man, if he's healthy, like 
I'm confident when it comes down to it uh, against Ohio State with a little look ahead here. Like uh, Antoine Johnson mentioned earlier, sorry, Antoine, I, I, I don't have the comment to bring up here, uh, but he said Ohio State's going to make Cade beat them. And quite honestly, I'm kind of okay with that. As long as Andre Anthony's healthy, if the, if the cast is healthy, Roman Wilson gets a little bit healthier. And if Cade's healthy, like I, like I'm confident that Cade could do it because I saw it against Michigan State. And obviously, like you said, they ended up losing that game, but offensively that really wasn't the issue in the ball game. Yeah. I mean, Cade, Cade putting up 33 points should have won that ball game. Right. And so right. Cade did his job and, and that was exactly, this was the exact narrative that way that we had going into the Michigan state game. Cade can't throw. They're going to make Cade beat him. Guess what? Cade put up 400 yards, you know, so he did his job. Right. So, you know, the defense holds him on one more stop or you get the call overturned and we're talking about everything differently. So um, yeah, I, I'm okay with Cade. I listen, you people are going to say things about Cade. They're going to say he's, you know, I do I think he's great? No, I don't think he's great. Do I think he's a pretty dang good college quarterback that can get things done? Yeah, I think he is. And so, you know, he's the perfect guy that Jim Harbaugh wants, and he's a gamer as well, just like, like we talked about Hassan Haskins. Uh, you know, I, I would love just to watch K, uh, Cade McNamara get the chance to to beat Ohio State and, and be the guy that does it. Yeah, no question about it, man. That strike to Roman Wilson on that 21-yarder was one of the Beautiful. best throws I've seen from a college quarterback this year. Beautiful. He he threaded the needle, and then and the the opening there was about this wide. And he When you people... saw like that, the back angle, almost like the all-22 angle, yep. that was crazy. Yeah, and he had people coming at him, and he was going to yeah. get hit in about a second later, so – you know, I, I agree with you. Like, honestly, I'd be more concerned if it was like we have to run the ball against Ohio State all day to beat them because then everyone knows we, we're going to run the ball. You right. know, I'd rather have the option to, to throw. And then, you know, people don't know our throwing playbook as much as they know our running playbook. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, absolutely, man. And that's look at the end of the day, you're going to need a balanced attack to beat them. I would, I would love if Michigan could just run and keep Ohio State's offense off the field. That'd be amazing. Like, yeah, if you, all the fifteen play ninety yards, seven and a half Hell minute yeah. drives, man, I'll take all of those all day in that game. But we know it's probably not going to happen. But I'm from what I've seen, man. Like when it's time, they've answered, and I think I mentioned this last week, and. I think there's a, a couple of there's a couple of possessions now for Penn from the Penn State game. I think maybe one, one or two from the Penn State game. But I think back in non garbage time scenarios, they had two against Michigan State. I think they had two against Nebraska, and they might add two against Penn State. When the opposing team scores, I think they've only had six possessions all year non garbage time where they didn't come back and answer with a score of their own. Wow. That's a heck of a stat right there. I mean, that is – and, that, and that's what we haven't seen in past years, I think, where it's like when a team scores on them, they're back on their heels. A lot of times they can't answer, you know, and that's what I love about Cade McNamara where he's calm, cool, and collective. And say, same with Haskins. Same with Vistardis and that whole offensive line. They're confident in themselves. They know what they need to do to get it done. And so I, I like that, you know, I like that stat because I think it shows that, 
these guys aren't fearing anybody. They there's no there's no defense that they think or no team that they don't think they can go down there and score against. So that's what I like about that one for sure. It's, it's funny because like hand up here, at the beginning of the season, I started seeing the the things that we see every preseason. Right? Is that like uh, this team is 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 together as one? You know this yep. this team yep. is not going to be able to blink. You're not going to blink in, in adversity and stuff. And I'm like. Yeah, they said that after the Minnesota game last year, and they blinked hard against Michigan State the year prior. But they've proven it, man. They've stared adversity in the face on the road in Nebraska, on the road after the the end of the half to Wisconsin, on the road to Penn State. They did it multiple times against Michigan State, going down 14-13 in that first half, coming back to take the big halftime lead. Like, hey, man, I'm confident that this is not like the 2018 team that like they got down to Ohio State early and couldn't pull themselves back up. I like this Michigan team, man, feels like they can pull themselves out of just about any situation, which is kind of amazing to think about, you know, given what we've seen in recent history. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing that um, that we haven't even talked about is for the first time in Harbaugh's tenure, you know, obviously they still got to go beat uh, Maryland and Michigan, you know, Ohio yeah. State's got to beat Michigan State. So we're hypothetically saying that's the situation here. But we haven't had this situation where Michigan's playing for it all in the last game of the year and it's in Ann Arbor. It's been in Columbus yeah. every time. That's a freaking hard place. Good to point. Play. Been, that's a really good point. I've been there in 2016. I've been there in 2018. It wasn't fun. It was exciting, but it wasn't fun in the end. And so you're a brave I, man. I'll tell you that. I, yes, I, <laughs> I, I won't be going back. I don't think I'm, I'm a bad luck charm. Um, Cause yeah. I was in East Lansing too. I got, I got to stop going into these, uh, to these away <laughs> games. But I, I think that's a, a different thing too. Michigan, yeah. you know, will have the crowd on their side. So if things go poorly at any time, they're going to have the crowd to pick them back up. Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo feed off that, right? So I think that that's a big difference where like we've seen Michigan lose that game because it's a big game on the road. And when they get on their heels or when a team scores big on them, they can't come back. They're going to be able to, you know, everything you said with that stat, Combined with it being in the atmosphere at home, Michigan hasn't had that atmosphere at home where they've been in contention. This crowd's going to be going crazy if all things uh, fall into place here. And another thing, I don't think they've had a defensive line like this since 2016. And we remember what they did, obviously, to JT Barrett. It's a different offense that Urban Meyer ran. But, I mean, when you got two top ten picks on the outside, Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith and you know, uh, Taylor Upshaw and, and you know, uh, a lot of these other guys that are playing really good football, uh, helping on the interior. Maybe they don't get as much love, obviously, as Ajabo and Hutchinson, but this defensive line is playing really damn good football right now, man. And, and that's what I'm excited to see, too, because Ohio State, obviously, a huge, good offensive line. What happens this week against Maryland, who's really going to want to throw the ball, but did have some success running the football early on against Michigan State. That's another thing to keep an eye on here, too, is how good that defensive line can play because they're going to help out this this young, outside of Josh Ross, very young linebacking core that has made some mistakes here this year, you know? Yeah, and I, but honestly, I've watched Josh Ross make mistakes, too. You know, he, he's yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. No question about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so that's where I think, you know, honestly though, when we look at what Ohio state has done to Michigan in the past with getting mismatches from their receiving core or running backs on our linebackers in terms of crossing routes or things like that, you know, Josh Ross can't keep up. I know we know that for a fact, 
I, I do think Junior Colson and, and Nikai Hill Green can keep up uh, a little bit better. They're definitely more athletic. Yeah. So I could see Mike McDonald utilizing them a little bit more. I also, you know, I'm seeing it in the comments right now. I, there was the one play of somebody coming across the middle against Penn, uh, Penn State, and I can't remember which linebacker it was, but bro, boom, blew took it up. I think that I think it might have been Taylor Upshot came from the the D uh, D tackle position, kind of backed up into coverage and laid that man out. I I think you do that a couple times early in the Ohio State game, and those crossing routes don't happen much more. You know, so I I think that Mike McDonald, listen, he knows that. He knows what what has beat Michigan in the past against Ohio State, right? He knows what's going on there, and I I believe in him to to especially after the Michigan State game make the adjustments to to be able to to run with a, an up tempo offense. We haven't seen them have really any issues with substitution since that Michigan State game, and so Ohio State won't be able to do that probably. But you know, I I think. You, Yes, Ohio State's going to get theirs. We're not saying that Michigan's going to hold Ohio State to 7 or 14 points. They're going to get theirs for sure. But it's about limiting those big plays. And I think that's where Mike McDonald's defense is built for limiting big plays, right? Yep. And so, um, you know, they might get gassed for a couple, but I don't see it happening in the past, like it was in the past where it's, you know, 50, 60-yard bombs all day long. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Uh, DJ Turner playing well. Hopefully you get Jamon Green back. And, you know, Vincent Gray, I I mean, he almost got beat on one, but he had incredible coverage at the end of of that game on the fourth down. You know, great uh, blitz. I I think it was Dax Hill that came from the inside there to to kind of force that throw. But Vincent Gray, stride for stride there. The, The corners have progressively played better here this year obviously Dax has been good at times we've seen him get beat a couple of times too but I've still at the end of the day when it comes down to it I got faith in Dax in coverage out of the slot there but those guys if the back end plays well uh, we got a comment here is the D-line better in 2016 I'm not ready to go that far I mean you had you had Taco Charlton set I think he, he was one of the top sack leaders in the country you had Chris Wormley you had junior Mo Hurst you had sophomore Chase Winovich freshman Rashawn Gary like the depth on that defensive line in 2016 was absolutely dumb but they didn't have two top 10 picks, you know, at the edge rusher, which I think Ojabo and Winovich. So I think the edge as a pass rushing unit, but you also have to remember it was Don Brown's defense too, right? Like I wish every day that Rashawn Gary got to stand up and rush the passer oh like Aiden God. Hutchinson is able to do this year. It would have been a nightmare for any team that they played. There's, there's, you would have no shot lining up across from him, right? So <laughs> like you see, you see what he's doing standing up with Green Bay, man. It is, I, I mean, it's, it's not even fair. Yeah. And so I would say all in all, the depth of the 2016 team made it probably a better collective group. The and they ceiling, were better They were better on the interior too, for sure. Totally, totally. I, I think Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton have gone kind of unnoticed this year because yeah. Hutchinson and Ajabo have, have not been or have been unreal, right? Um, but I think that they have stepped up big time and that's what's made Hutchinson and Ajabo do so well this year, you know? Right. And so... Um, I, I think the height, like Hutchinson, I think is the best and Ojabo might be second best, but I think collectively that 2016 group was better. Um, I agree yeah. with that, yep. man. Yeah. So we're, they're going to be relying on them. That's for sure. That's the bread and butter of this defense. No question about it, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to, I, I don't think it's going to come down to that, uh, 
uh, you know, it's going to look like it's coming down to that secondary because they've got to go up against all those receivers. But it's about if we can get to Stroud and make him uncomfortable from the get-go. If Stroud can sit back there forever and ever, then Michigan's defense is going to have a bad time. But let's think about it, too. Here's the thing. Somebody was uh, – I was just talking to somebody, would you take C.J. Stroud or Cade McNamara? And sounds like a dumb question, right? But how much has C.J. Stroud been challenged this year? Every one of his touchdowns that I see, he is the guy's open by 10 yards. Cade McNamara yeah. has made a lot of throws that he's threaded the needle, so his guys don't get that same type of separation. I, now, I'm not going to go out and say that Caden McNamara has more talent than C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud's very talented. But I think the point is that if C.J. Stroud gets challenged, I don't know how he's going to respond. If Michigan can keep those guys in coverage within some close routes where it's not like they're open by 5, 10 yards, I don't know if C.J. Stroud has the ability right now to thread the needle there where I know Cade McNamara has done that against multiple teams this year. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously if you've got an open receiver running down the sideline, you want CJ Stroud throwing that football, but yeah. I don't think Cade gets nearly enough love for two interceptions on the year. And I think he's only taken two or three sacks. Like think of how much us just look at the Penn state game, how negative of a play sacks are. Like yep. they're absolute drive killers, unless you're playing stupid defenses on third and long, like Michigan was on the first uh, possession of that ball game. But over the course of time, you take that many sacks, like your quarterback's done mentally. They're absolute drive killers. Um, you settle in for field goals, even if you get a sack fumble on, you know, the whatever yard line they took over on the 22 yeah. or something like that, you know, like. And, and Clifford was getting killed all game. And there, you, when you settle for field goals in those situations, it's bad, or, or you're definitely punting, you know, 90% of the time. Cade not taking bad sacks and not turning over the football. Like, he doesn't get nearly enough credit for that. I understand he's not, you know, making all these uh, flashy plays or anything like that. But when he needs to, like the throws to Roman Wilson, I think he's able to, you know? Absolutely. And, and actually, you know, we saw Nebraska against Ohio State C.J. Stroud tries to do too much sometimes, and, and, yeah. he, and he paid for it against Nebraska, and that's what kept Nebraska in that game for as long as they were in it. You know, I, I don't think C.J. Stroud is this polished guy quite yet. You know, an unbelievable raw talent for sure. Yeah. And he's made some great throws. He, you know, I'm not, not, I'm not docking him for what he's done this year, um, but I think it, it's if you can get to him early – Make him uncomfortable. All of a sudden, he's thinking about Aiden Hutchinson and this out of the corner yeah. of his eye, and then all of a sudden, you get it from the backside from a Jabo. Man, I mean, that's where you, this defense can make a difference. He's got a lot of JT Barrett in him in that sense. Yeah, totally. You, totally. you know, uh, and I also, you know, looking ahead to this Saturday, I think this is this is good prep for Michigan because you look at it, they, I mean, Maryland throws for three hundred nineteen yards a game. You know, they don't yep. they don't have a Travion Williams, obviously, you know, Travion to, to kind of counter to kind of counterbalance that. But from a secondary standpoint, from a pass rush standpoint, I think this is gonna be a good, you know, not a test, but but a game that you actually use to prep for Ohio State. I I said it, I was just on a on a, another YouTube show right before this. Uh and I said it's kind of like 
the JV game before the Ohio State game, right? For famous last words, you know. I know. I'm knocking <laughs> on wood for sure. Until uh, yeah, nobody clip this and uh, keep it for if Michigan loses this weekend. But it it really feels like that where Maryland tries to run Ohio State's offense, but they just don't do it as good. They don't have the, the type of right. athletes. But it's the same type of offense where they're going to try to air it out. They do have a lot of speed on the outside for sure. And, and a somewhat mobile quarterback with that can throw it deep too. So I do think it's like a, it's a little bit of <laughs> Lewis Blake's calling it a scrimmage. I don't know <laughs> if it's a scrimmage. They're still a Big Ten team, but something like that. Um, maybe I started something there with the JV comment. Maybe I should take that <laughs> back. But you know, it is. I do. I do think to your point, it's good prep for this defense. Um, you know, I think where it's going to be good prep too is don't give up that deep ball. You know, how, how do you yep. keep the guy in front of you, right? How do you not give up that big play? Um, you know, and that's where Michigan's going to have to uh, – they're definitely going to have to do that against Ohio State to be uh, to be in that game at all. Excited to see how it plays out these next couple of weeks, man. But, uh, yeah, we got to about wrap this thing up here. A little over an hour. Good. Heck of a show, guys. Uh, sorry, Kicking Chicken wasn't able to, to get to your question there. That is a whole – discussion that uh, we could definitely get into we talked a little bit about the Michigan linebackers and uh, we know that's probably one of the weak spots on the defense but uh, we'd get a little in depth maybe next week uh, we'll get to that comment if you come back Justin Rowe of Blue by 90 Justin tell us where we can find you on social media tell us about Blue by 90 what do you got going on what's that podcast schedule you guys are on yeah Blue by 90 we're at Blue by 90 on Twitter Instagram Facebook uh, you can find us now on Amazing Brew Network. So all of our podcasts are right, uh, you know, where you listen to all your, you know, you listen to this brewcast on uh, uh, Spotify and Apple or wherever you watch it. You listen to Trevor Woods. You listen to the Recruiting Roundup, all those things. You can listen to us now on there too. Um, and, you know, we'll be doing a post game each each week now for football. We'll be doing a midweek to prep for the next game, whether it's Thursday or Friday, something like that. Uh, and then going into basketball too, we'll be there as well. So basketball, you know, we'll be uh, two times a week. Schedule will probably depend on when the games are, but um, we'll keep it rolling through basketball, which we're super excited about too. Absolutely. And obviously we didn't get time to touch on basketball here, but we'll have plenty of that once uh, the football season's over. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Gary, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Follow the Brewcast Show page as well uh, to go get the podcast if you're listening uh, on the podcast and not on the YouTube live page. Uh, subscribe, rate, leave a review. For those watching on YouTube, would appreciate a little thumbs up, a little like on there. Uh, you know, get those things rolling. Don't forget to subscribe as well. A lot of good things coming on the Mason Brew YouTube page. That's going to wrap it up for us here tonight. For my partner, Justin Rowe, I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you next week on Brewcast.